You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome again to the Monster Sci-Fi Show. I am your host, the Monster, and I'm back to do a review of the 2022 Monsters movie directed by Rob Zombie, which, oddly enough, considering we're in the month of October, I've never seen a Rob Zombie movie. Of which, considering I haven't done a new horror podcasts in quite some time, I decided I'm going to not only do a horror movie podcast, but I'm going to do a special versus podcast. So I'm going to be watching the original John Carpenter's Halloween movie versus Rob Zombie's Halloween movie. And I want to see how the two fare. So I'm curious to see how that comes to be. And the reason why I bring this up, as we'll get so we'll get to the whole point about why I'm even reviewing the monsters is that I'm kind of dumbstruck about how this movie looks and feels and how it all came together, considering how, well, the Halloween movie that he did on a small budget was still able to make huge gains. So I'm curious as to what happened from that first movie that he did to the to this because there's plenty of movies in between and i'm like how do we get here to this monsters thing because i understand that he is a big monster fan and there is some love in there there's nothing that is to be debated about it's there it's the problem lies is that's how this was executed and i don't know if it's the point of when you leave someone especially a director and it happens more often than not, that you have no pushback, meaning the director has free will to do whatever they want, and there is no way to rein them in. There is no way to say no to this person whose vision is, I'm going to do the best thing I know how, and you can't tell me otherwise. And sometimes it works, and sometimes the majority of the times doesn't. Heaven's Gate is one of them. I'm not even going to say Dune because Dune was really long, but there was problems right off the bat with the script and how to film that and all that. But David Lynch's Twin Peaks series, everyone was saying, you know, let Lynch be Lynch because at the time, Showtime, I think, was it Showtime? I think it was Showtime, was limiting the amount of episodes for the new series to be and there was a boycott basically the actors did not want to have lynch's vision to be limited as such when i finally watched that series i'm like oh my god this has gone on way too longer than i expected and i get that you let that artist have free reign but sometimes having someone be the no person sparks some type of creative choices that might have been better rather than giving full reign to someone's work. So 
I don't know if this is the case, but I'm just thinking that if Rob Zombie is an accomplished director, starting with the Halloween movie, why is it that the Monsters movie is really god-awful? But let's just start off with the beginning. I saw the initial trailer, and it is basically a shot-for-shot opening of the Monsters, which is from season two. And I'll get into the specifics why that is from season two. The three characters, Herman Munster, Lily Munster, and Grandpa, they come out and recreate this exact same opening, and it's brilliant, and it's black and white. And I'm like, all right, there's no replacing Fred Gwynn as Herman Munster. But the guy who was playing him, you know, he made those little gestures that made Herman kind of lovable. And I'm like, I get it. I see it, but it's only just that opening, and that's it. It just cuts out, and there's nothing more to it. So we'll get the second trailer, and this is the first full trailer, not the teaser trailer, and it's in color, and it's overly saturated, and I'm the one who, if you ever watch my Instagram posts, at times overly saturated, and I admit to that, but this is like the extreme end, and I'm like, Joel Schumacher come back from the grave and start making this movie with Rob Zombie. But it looks like the Batman movies that he did. And then, like, well, this is a Monsters movie. And there's a reason why it's all in color and then super saturated. It's because Universal did not want this movie to be black and white. Even though the teaser trailer became black and white in the first run, they did not want this movie to be shown in black and white you have that going against it so and it's not that it's bad it's just the overall feel of this trailer feels cheap it feels like a fan film and you know there's plenty of fan films that are absolutely fantastic this is not one of them and it just feels like maybe this is like a rehearsal take or something it just does not feel like this is a monster movie. Even the crappy movies that came after the series, it it doesn't have that feel. It just it felt weird. I've been a big monster fan since as long as I can remember. More so than the Adams family. Because the Adams family I was like, yeah, I'll appreciate that kind of quirkiness. But the monsters were a little bit more simpler and it was more on point. And I love the way it all came together. You know, you had, of course, Herman Munster as Frankenstein. That Lily, who is a vampire. Grandpa, also Dracula. Eddie is the werewolf. And Marilyn is the ugly duckling that <laughs> everyone's commenting about, you know, she doesn't have the great looks on their side of the family. And it's fantastic. And of course, you have Spot. I forgot Spot, who is the dragon that lives under the stairs. And it's weird that when the Adams family went into making movies, which again, I wasn't going to be like a big fan for the movies, but I'm like, oh my God, the movies are fantastic. I love the movies more than I did the actual TV series because it dealt with family stuff that was honest and it was pure and it was enjoyable. As I'm starting to go down this rabbit hole of the monsters lore, I found there is this unaired pilot it was more like a proof of concept meaning that this was supposed to be like a test mock episode 
in which there was a full set, full makeup, and it was a short episode, like maybe 13 minutes or so. Uh, it starts off with uh, Marilyn coming home from a date, and the guy who brings her home is like kind of scared about the way things are looking. They, he walks her to the door, and then Herman Munster comes out and says, you know, hi, whatever. And Marilyn wants to introduce her date to Herman, her uncle. And, of course, he runs out and in super fast motion and drives off. What struck me about the whole thing is, like, that's classic monsters, except this was all in color. That was not the worst part because it looked kind of like, all right, I, I guess I know what you're doing here because it's just, let's just see how green the makeup looks and all that. It doesn't look great. But it gets even weirder as when we go inside and I'm like, who the hell is this woman? It's not Lily. It's another actress playing another character that was Herman's wife, and her name was Phoebe. Okay. And then when we get Eddie Munster, and his the, the, and the actor's name is Happy Dermot, I think. I forget the last name. But I'm like, that's the direction they're, they're going with Eddie, and he is like the snarling, vicious little bastard kid. And I'm like, ew. Eddie was never liked. Eddie was always likable, but this first version of Eddie is like a snot little fuck. I'm like, no, he should not be disrespecting his parents and them like, like not even getting offended by it. And I'll, and then like I don't mind him being like the snarling. I get that, but he's a little he's really disrespectful, and I'm like that was inappropriate. So thank God. That the higher ups said, we need to retool this. And they got rid of the actress who played Phoebe and brought in Ivan DiCarlo to play Lily. And then they kept everyone uh, except for Eddie. Eddie got replaced by Butch Patrick. And it became a much better product. And, of course, CBS at the time uh, when they were doing this were not going to pay for the $10,000 to have the color version of this series. So it was cheaper to film it all in black and white, and it looks fantastic in black and white. So thank God for financial reasons, the black and white version stood heads and tails above the original pilot. Very happy about that, and what a better cast this all came to be. So I was really happy to see this all come together. Now, the other thing, too, that I didn't realize and maybe it was just me not really paying attention, that the original Marilyn was played by Beverly Owen, only made it halfway through the first season and was then replaced by another actress named Pat Priest. And for her, the problem lies is that she was in love with her boyfriend and she lived on the East Coast. And, you know, she was just coming out just for the pilot and never thinking that this would ever be picked up. And sure enough, it was picked up. She moved to Los Angeles, and she was heartbroken and left her boyfriend behind. And Fred Gwynn and Al Lewis spoke on her behalf to the studio, saying, you need to let her go because she was locked into a seven-year contract. It's like, if you don't let her go, we're walking off the show, and you're not going to have a show. So luckily, Pat looks almost exactly like Beverly, and I never made the connection that they made the switch, let alone there were two different actresses. I had no idea. So that kind of little fact, I'm like, oh, my God, 
I did not know this until I started recording. Now, there was a pilot called Mockingbird Lane that came out in 2012, and I remember watching this on NBC. And unfortunately, this one episode, which was the pilot episode for this new series, was a reimagined version of The Munsters. It was definitely different. This was directed by Brian Singer, who we all know Brian Singer is you know, a great director for the X-Men whenever he showed up, but he has his own issues. So we'll put that aside. It was written by Brian Fuller, who has done some amazing shows that I've loved, like Pushing Up Daisies, that was really underrated. And he also had the initial idea to do Star Trek Discovery as an anthology, or the new Star Trek series as an anthology series, which... He got bumped out in the last minute, and then that became its own thing. Mockingbird Lane, it really had like an interesting cast, and I'm like, holy crap, this is fantastic. It's a reimagined version, so it's not necessarily Herman Munster all in green, but he is still a Frankenstein creature-type personality. So Jerry O'Connell, who I would never imagine as the lead as Herman, is playing Herman Munster. Portia de Rossi, who was in Arrested Development, uh, plays Lily. The other two, the Marilyn Munster and Eddie Munster, I don't know who they are, but it's uh, Charity Wakefield for Marilyn and Manson Cook for Eddie. But the big draw was Eddie Izzard, who played Grandpa, and he goes by the name of D, D for Dracula. And he is fantastic. I mean, when you watch it, and the only way you can watch it properly you can go to the Internet Archive website, and it's there. You can watch it, and it, it's broken up in three parts, but it's all there. And every time he is on the screen, he steals the show. He is fantastic. There is something about his presence, his energy. Could not be more happier to see Grandpa be portrayed in this version. Now, overall, since I watched it back in 2012... And now, almost some 10 years later, I've watched this before I recorded this podcast. It is definitely a much darker, humor-edge version of the Monsters that is kind of like the Monsters, but it's not the actual remake of the Monsters. Like Herman Monster having the green face makeup and literally looking like a female Dracula and so forth. I'm cool with that. And that's the thing that if you're looking to do something that's more creative, more of an interesting take on a series, I will applaud Brian Fuller for choosing that direction to go to tell the stories of the monsters rather than do like in past TV series, I think it's called the monsters now, which they kind of recreated the whole thing all over again. And it was shot in color and it was in TV for syndication which was not good at all. Here, it was its own thing. It's a standout compared to all the other things before. When I put that in context with now the Monsters movie in the context of this movie, I get that Rob Zombie loves this series. And there's no disputing that because it's on the screen because there are some jokes and some references to other things that you, if you've watched in the series, you'll know that's in reference to. But it's more in the way of, like, if Rogue One was the movie before A New Hope, this movie is kind of like the Rogue One before the Monster series, 
and I'm using Rogue One vaguely on that because it's no Rogue One because I love Rogue One. This one is like, yeah, yeah, okay. And the reason why I bring that up because we have the primary characters of Grandpa, Herman, and Lily in Transylvania. And not until almost but three quarters of the movie do they then go across this, the pond and they end up in their own home, which is on Mockingbird Lane, 1313 Mockingbird Lane. Where's the story in all this? Other than the romance of Lily and Herman coming together, and you find that out. But then the castle that they're living in, they get swindled out of it, and they're forced to be or evicted, and then they end up in the States. And I'm like, where did they get all this money from? I'm like, you're overthinking this, so just stop. Stop thinking about the logistics about this because it's not that kind of movie. The The actor who plays uh, Herman, his name is Jeff Daniel Phillips, you know, there are moments in which he has some of the little nuanced moments, but it, it's just, eh. Watching all of that for that long, and it's almost an hour and 45 minutes, it's super long. It didn't need to be that way. I mean, hell... The Frankenstein movie is just slightly over an hour. And that was released in the theaters, which I want to watch. Uh, I've never seen it, but I, it's gotten me into that mindset. Because we were in October! I need to watch more horror movies. The actor himself was in a show called The Caveman, which I love. If you know The Caveman from the Geico car insurance commercials... That spun into this Caveman TV series, which I really loved. It was stupid, but I loved it. And Jeff was in as one of the cavemen there. And I I can see, even behind the caveman facade, I can see the Herman performance coming through. Now, and I'm not criticizing here, but I, I'm, I'm just hearing from what other people have said on various videos, that Sherry Moon Zombie, who plays Lily is Rob Zombie's wife. And a lot of criticism is about her acting. Yes, I agree. It is not the greatest. It is not even like, uh, okay, passable. I know that she's trying to go for the Lily vibe with her one line, oh, Herman, just going over and over like that. And I'm like, it's just a one-note performance. Look. I'm sure she's a fine person, but that one note became really uh, agitating after a while. The other point that I wanted to bring up, there are other actors in here that I came across that I'm like, after the fact, Grandpa has a servant called Igor, and he's in human form. And not until they move from Transylvania to the States does Igor the Bat appear. If you watch the monsters, you know, Grandpa has a bat that he has in a dungeon below called Igor. He transported by transforming Igor from a man to a bat. And when he got to the States, he could never transform back to a human. So that's how that came to be. We also have Cassandra Peterson, who played Barbara Carr, who was the real estate agent. That is Elvira. So we have that going for that. Oh, and I forgot to mention, Igor, going back, is Sylvester McCoy, who is the seventh doctor from Doctor Who. 
And here's another moment that I'm like, really? That's her? The, I guess, I guess it's a gypsy. I don't want to disparage the name of gypsies, but I guess that's what her character is. Her, her name is Zoya Krupp, played by Catherine Schell. Came into a sh little show opposite of Star Trek called Space 1999, and she played Maya. When I tell you I had such a crush on Maya, oh my god, those eyebrows. I'm just saying, those eyebrows, I've never been an eyebrow person, but they were super damn sexy. But in any case, so she's in this movie, and I'm like, she's totally unrecognizable. And of course, she's much, much older than she was when she played Maya. And I get that, but... I looked at again at the, her performance, and I'm like, I kind of see it in the eyes. Not in the eyebrows, but I see it in the eyes. That is still Catherine Shell in there. But I don't know why this movie feels the way it does. Like, towards the end, they get the house, though it happens to be Halloween, and everyone is out in mask, and the monsters win a costume contest. But the next day, when Herman goes to work, he freaks out because no one looks like what they did the night before. So he starts freaking out. He starts to panic inside the house. And then they throw in this weird reference of Car 54, where are you? And I'm like, and if you know that reference, you are super old. Fred Gwynn had a show prior to the Monsters called Car 54, with our, where are you? And I thought, that's a damn cheap way to throw in a reference because you love the monsters and you threw that in until i forget it was i don't know if it which documentary that i was watching but it was in the actual monsters episode that he does say car 54 where are you so i was about to curse out rob zombie for throwing in a lame joke but nope that joke does appear in one of the episodes of The Monster. So I, I give you props of throwing in a deep cut like that on many levels that it is within canon of The Monsters and reference to a previous actor's work previous to the series of The Monster. So. But with all that said, it still doesn't make this movie any better. There are times in which you can watch a bad movie and they try their earnest to make it as good as it can be, but it turns out to be that it's crap. But it's good, lovable crap. Like Mystery Science Theater level. This is not that. This is trying way too hard to be campy, and doing so, almost all the jokes, all the gags, just fall flat. So you're stuck watching these people act on screen, and it feels it's just... There's no heart. There's no, there's nothing there. Unlike, again, the Adams family who made a successful transition into the movies, this one does not have that charm. It lacks everything what makes the monsters the monsters. I would prefer that even Rob Zombie would have done something as bold and, and creative as Mockingbird Lane in which you just do a retelling of the monsters, but here it just falls flat, and it's a shame. Because I would have loved to have seen the monsters have a win. Because again, back in the day, it was always like, for me, 
one of two things. Either you're a Yankee fan or a Met fan. I was a Met fan. If you had Atari or you had in television, I had in television. So I'm always going for the underdog. And I don't know for me if the Munsters at the time was a better show than the Adams Family. I do know that cult-wise, that show had a better run after the series was done, much like Star Trek, in syndication. And I found a brand new audience, and it still has that kind of fan base. But it's unfortunate that transitions into movies didn't carry over like the Adams Family, which, again, I love the Adams Family movies, not for the actual TV show, which we are going to get an, a Wednesday Adams TV series on, also going to be on Netflix. So I'm sure it's going to be fine, but I really, really wanted to see a Monsters movie slash series, something to be like, I want to see the Monsters again. But the good news about all this, that despite how much I didn't like this movie and wasted my time, I did go on a deep dive and find out more information about the Monsters that I did not know and made me appreciate how much I really love the Monsters, especially, I forgot, there were two cool-ass cars in here, the Monsters Coach and then the Dragula Hot Rod car. Oh, my God. Those two vehicles kick ass. Those are by far like the things that make the monster stand out over the Adams family is that beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I love that additional touch because it just added to the macabre and the weirdness about the monsters, but in a fun, creative way. And I love that about them. On that note, I'm done talking about the monsters longer than I should have been. So don't forget, on October 31st, I will release a Halloween versus Halloween versus movie on that day. So just keep an ear out and subscribe to my podcast so you don't miss my next episode. All right. So please, if you like this episode, let me know what you think. You can always email me at show at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on the various social networks. Thank you for listening to me and to the Monster Sci-Fi Show. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view. Good night. Hey, you know how you don't have any friends? It's fine. The Flopcast will be your friend. Your weird podcast friend. Join us on The Flopcast every week for a silly conversation about cartoons, music, comic books, chickens, and obscure 80s pop culture trivia that no one, literally no one, could possibly care about. Find us at Flopcast.net and on the ESO Network. It'll be our little secret. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.